This is Pastor Eric Love. I want to thank you for tuning into today's podcast. God told Joshua that if he meditated on the word and obeyed it, that he would make his way prosperous and that he would have good success. My prayer is that as you meditate on this word that you're about to hear and apply it to your life, that you too will find good success. Blessings on you and enjoy this word from the Lord. First of all, give it on to God who is the head of our life, to the pastor and the shepherd of this house, my pastor and friend, Pastor Eric Love, and to his wife, Lady Love, to all the ministers, laborers, and co-laborers of the gospel, and to all God's children. It's another day's journey. I don't know how you feel, but I'm mighty glad about it. I'm appreciative for this opportunity to stand and to declare God's truth. It's never a matter I take lightly, and I'm always humbled by it. But those who know me know that unless I'm generally playing around, I don't do too much talking. So we're not going to belong the time, but we do plan to let go and let God have his way. Those of you who have your Bibles, there is a word. In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, the book of Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at the story of the creation of man to pull out some principles and precepts that I believe will be quite useful in the realm of relationships. Genesis chapter 2, only one verse, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And when you find it, will you let me know by saying amen? Amen. And I believe it reads, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being or a living soul. So God builds this man from the ground and then puts his very breath into his being or his body. So not only do we see God's connection to the man, we also see God's connection with the man. So I want to lay a foundation using that word connection. And considering I understand there's some principles and precepts in this text that will prove quite useful for those of us who aspire to get into godly relationships, if I can combine those two notions together, the notion of connection and the notion of godly precepts useful for relationships, if I can combine those two notions together, what would we preach? If I just had to tag this text, I want to use kingdom connection concepts. Kingdom connection concepts. If you would, lend me your prayers and your ears. And we're going to try to get out of the way. Kingdom Connection Concepts. Last month, we had our Super Saturday. And one of the things that resonated within me most from that Super Saturday was our mission statement. And the reason why the mission statement resounded in my hearing and resounded in my spirit so was seemingly because of its simplicity, but also its complexity. You see, it was simplistic in the fact that it only contained just one word. However, it was complex in the fact that that one word could translate across all areas, across all aspects, across all facets and walks of life. Pastor gave us just one word for a mission statement. One word that will ultimately define and uh, depict the very substance 
fabric and foundation of this ministry. And that one word was grow. And as I ponder that sentiment of growth, I would suggest to you, family, if there's ever an area the modern-day church needs to grow in, if there's ever an area the modern-day church needs to progress in, if there's ever an area the modern-day church needs to make some adjustments, exhibit some improvements, and undergo some development, it's in the realm of relationships. Because if the truth be told, when you look at relationships, it's in relationships, an area we should be seeing favor. But that's the very area we're seeing the most failure. It's in relationships, an area we should be seeing success. But that's an area of our greatest struggle. It's in relationships that we should be showing some level of competency. But that is the very area we're having the most complications. So the question can be asked, God, why are we your people? having so many problems and perils in relationships. Why are we failing so? Why are we having such struggle and such complications in relationships? And what God dropped in my spirit, I have to believe, is true. What God helped me to understand was the problem with the modern-day church. We're too busy making connections when we don't know concepts. Oh, I wish I had somebody. I'm going to say it again. The modern-day church is too willing to make connections and become connected when we don't know concepts. And somebody's question is, preacher, what do you mean when you suggest we're too busy making connections and becoming connected before we know concepts? If the truth be told, The modern-day church is too busy and too willing to become tied and tethered when we don't have teaching. Y'all might as well come on and talk to me. Too many church folk are willing to become endeared by people before we've been endowed by precepts. Too many church folk, we are willing to become coupled when we don't have counsel. Too many church folk, are we willing to become knitted and knotted and we don't have knowledge? Too many church folk are willing to become wedded when we don't have good wisdom. And we wonder why these relationships are not working out. We wonder why we're failing. We wonder why we're having so many complications. The problem is you're making connections, but you don't know concepts. And if we're going to start seeing success and favor in the relationships, we have to start making kingdom connections. And when I talk about kingdom connections, I'm talking about connections that are compatible with your godly mission. I'm talking about making connections that are compatible with your godly assignment. I'm talking about making connections that are in line with your purpose. Because the truth be told, just because an individual is good for your person, don't mean they're good for your purpose. I'm going to say it again. Just because you want to tie to an individual and you feel they're good for your person don't mean they're good for your purpose. We have to start making kingdom connections. But pastor, it's hard to make kingdom connections when you refuse to learn and continue to disregard kingdom concepts. I'm going to say that again. It's hard to make kingdom connections when the church is content to refuse to learn and continue to to disregard kingdom concepts. And that brings me to my text. Here in this text, we are given a story regarding the creation of man. And in this creation of man, I believe there are some principles and precepts. If you hang out with me a little while, that we can pull and extract from this text that will give us uh, a clarity on how to make kingdom connections and pursue godly relationships. Here in this text, 
God is creating and he's forming man. And when God forms man, he takes a very hands-on approach. In the creative process, God is sculpting and he's crafting every intricate detail that concerns this man. He's working on his outside and he's working on his inside. So according to the text, he would be working on his head and working on his heart. He would be working on his senses and working on his spirit. He's working on his features and he's working on his functions. He's working on his mouth and he's working on his mind. He's working on his loins and working on his lungs. He's working on his external body and working on his internal being. God has his hands all over this man. And the reason why I take my time to point that out, because that brings me to my first truth and principle. What God does not have his hands on, you need to make sure you keep your hands off. Y'all might well come on in and pray with me. What God does not have his hands on, singles will do well to keep their hands off. You'd be surprised how many singles will put their hands on stuff. God bend them, had his hands off, or never had his hands on in the first place. And we wonder why these relationships are not working out. But if God does not have his hands on it, you need to make sure you keep your hands off of it. Y'all might well come on and talk to me in here. Here in this text, God has had his hand on every intricate detail that concerns this man. God's hands have been all over this man. So if the truth be told, if God's hands have been all over this man, and if God's hand has been on every intricate detail, that means there was no area that God didn't have access to concerning this man. That means there was no region that was restricted concerning God's influence. That means there was no section or sex, uh, sector God failed to have influence over. I'm going to say it again. If God's hands have been all over this man, and if God's hand has been on every intricate detail, that means there was no area God didn't have access to. That means there was no region that was restricted or off limits to God. That means there was no section or sector God failed to have influence over. And if you're going to tie to somebody, tie up with somebody that God has access to and influence over. I'm going to say it again. If you're going to tie up with someone, tie up with someone that God has access to and influence over. The last place you ought to want to be is be in a position where you're tied to a person that has restricted God's access. I'm going to say it again. The last place you ought to want to be in is be tied to an individual that is restricting God's access. In other words, you don't want to be closed in with a joker that's closed God out. I'm going to say it again. The last place you ought to want to be is closed in with a joker that's done closed God out. The Bible says after God gets through forming in the text, the Bible said God breathes his breath into this man. And the Hebrew word for breathe here is the word nephah. And the word nephah don't just mean breathe. It means to puff or to blow into. I'm going to say it again. The Bible said God breathes his breath into the man. And the Hebrew word for the verb breathe here is the word nephah. And the word nephah don't just mean to breathe. It means to puff or to blow into. And I want to suggest to you, if you're going to tie up with someone, you want to tie up with someone the master has blown in, as opposed to being tied to an individual, matters just blow in. Hear me clearly, family. If you're going to be tied to an individual, tied to an individual, the master has blown in. As opposed to being tied to an individual, matters just blow in. 
Let me see if I can explain that. When the Bible says when the master blows into this man, he experiences a quickening. He starts to come alive and starts to make movements. I'm going to say it again. When the master breathes into this gentleman, he starts to experience a quickening. He starts to come alive and he starts to make movements. And if you remember, I said you want to be tied to an individual. The master has blown in. In other words, when you're tied to an individual, the master has blown in. That means that individual makes their moves and is influenced by divine sovereignty. But if you're tied to someone, matters just blow in. That means they make their moves and they're, uh, they're influenced by dire circumstance. I'm going to say that again. If you're tied to someone, the master has blown in. That means they make their moves based on divine sovereignty. If you're tied to someone, matters just blow in. That means you're tied to someone that moves by dire circumstance. And if somebody's going to be tied to you, you better make sure they're tied to you because of sovereignty, not circumstance. Oh, I wish I had. I'm going to say it again. If somebody is tied to you, you want to make sure they're tied to you because of sovereignty, not circumstance. Because the reality is, if somebody is tied to you based on circumstance, that's not a relationship. That's a situationship. Y'all might as well come on in and talk to me. If somebody is tied to you because of circumstance, that's not a relationship. That is a situationship. And if somebody's going to be connected to you, you want them to be connected because of conviction, not convenience. Oh, I wish I had somebody right there. I'm going to say it again. If somebody is going to be connected to you, you want them to be connected because of conviction, not convenience. Y'all might well come on in and talk to me in there. I got to hear you on. The Bible says God breathes in this man. And you want somebody God has breathed on. Because if God ain't breathed on them, they shouldn't be breathing on you. God has breathed on this man. And if God ain't breathed on them, they shouldn't be permitted to be breathing on you. Y'all might well come on in and talk to me. The Bible says God breathes on this man. The next thing I want to expose in the text, when you look at the text, there are three non-negotiable traits this man seemingly has as it relates to God that every single should have and aspire to see before you engage in relationships. I'm going to say it again. When you look at the text, there are three non-negotiable traits that this man possesses that all singles, godly singles, should possess and look for before you pursue relationships. Now, before I go forward, let's define non-negotiables. Non-negotiables are principles and values you hold near and dear to your heart. They, they are principles you, you refuse to back off from. They are concessions you are unwilling to make. Non-negotiables are actually deal breakers. In other words, if they don't possess these traits and attributes, the relationship can go no further. And we all ought to have some non-negotiables. And so let's look at the non-negotiable traits this man has in this text that every single should have and look for before you engage in relationship. When you look at this text, the first thing we notice, God and the man are by themselves. The second thing we notice in the text is the Bible says God builds this man from the dust of the ground. 
And when he builds them, he builds them in his own image and own likeness, especially when you pair this verse with Genesis 1 and 26. The next thing we understand is God gets ever so close that he breathes his breath into the man. I'm going to say it again because I'm going to pull my three non-negotiables from these three things. The first thing we understand is God and the man are by themselves. The second thing we understand, God builds this man from the dust of the ground. And when he builds him, he builds him in his own image and own likeness, especially when you pair this verse with Genesis 1 and 26. The last thing we understand about this text is that God gets ever so close to the man that he breathes his breath into him. So the three non-negotiable traits that I see in this man, first of all, he's alone with God. Secondly, he's aligned with God. And thirdly, he's allied with God. I'm going to say it again. He's alone with God. He's aligned with God, and he's allied with God. Now, let's tackle these one by one. First of all, he's alone with God. If he's alone with God, that means he's not tied to anybody else. Oh, I wish I had somebody. I'm going to say it again. If he's alone, or if the individual is alone with God, that means they're not tied to anybody else. And can I ask singles the question, why would you want to be tied to somebody that's already tied up? Y'all might well come on and pray with me in here. Why would you want to tie up with somebody that's already tied up? Relationships can be hard when you go in free. Why do you want to go into a relationship with somebody that's already bound? You ought to want somebody that's alone. But not only alone, but they're alone with God. Because if somebody is not comfortable and content being alone with God, how can they be comfortable and content just being alone with you? Oh, y'all might well come on in and say, come to me in there. I'm going to say it again. If somebody is not comfortable and content just being alone with God, how can they be comfortable and content just being alone with you? You ought to want somebody that's alone with God. But secondly, you ought to want somebody that's aligned with God. To understand why you want somebody aligned, you have to understand that it's antithesis of the opposite. The opposite of having somebody aligned is to be tied to somebody out of alignment. And if you've ever driven a car that's out of alignment, you recognize you don't want to be in anything that's out of line. Oh, I wish I had. I'm going to say it again. If you've ever been in a car that's badly out of alignment, you understand you don't want to be tied to somebody that's misaligned. So let's look at some symptoms of a car when it's out of alignment. When a car is out of alignment, it's hard to keep the car going straight. It's hard to keep the car moving in the right direction when it's out of line. Oh, y'all going to talk to me in here. The next thing I can tell you about a car is when his car is out of line, it starts to drift and pull and drift off course when it's out of alignment. Oh, y'all going to talk to me in here. The next thing I can tell you about a car is the tires that undergird the car become easily worn and torn when the car is out of alignment. And the last thing I can tell you about a car, when it's out of alignment, the car becomes off-center and it's hard to be steered by the operator. Can I suggest to you it's the same way in relationships. When you're tied to somebody out of a line, it's hard to keep the relationship straight. It's hard to keep the relationship moving in the right direction. When you're tied to somebody out of a line. Next, it's hard to keep the relationship from veering off course. You're, going, you're venturing into areas you shouldn't be. You're taking your relationship to levels that it shouldn't be taken to. It's hard to keep from steering, straying when you're tied to somebody out of a line. The next I told you about tires, they become easily worn and torn. The spiritual party that's tied to somebody out of a line, if you stay in that situation, you become easily worn and torn if you stay in that relationship. 
that's why, let me digress a minute. I wonder, is that the reason why we got so many worn out folk and tore up folk in relationships? Because you tied to somebody out of alignment. The next thing I told you, when a car is out of line, it becomes off-centered, and it's hard to be steered by the operator. Can I suggest to you, when you tied to somebody out of a line, the relationship call becomes off-centered, and it's more difficult for you to be steered by the operator. You become less sensitive to his guidance. You become less sensitive to his direction. When you tied to somebody out of a line, you become less sensitive to the words of God. Y'all might well come on and talk to me. You want somebody that's not only alone with God, you ought to want somebody that's aligned with God. So you want somebody alone with God. You want somebody aligned with God, but you also want somebody allied with God. When you look at the word allied, allied suggests a closeness and, and a unity. And so when I suggest you want somebody aligned with God, allied with God, I'm suggesting you want somebody that's up close and personal in their relationship with God. Because the reality is, before you get up close and personal with somebody, make sure that person is up close and personal with God. I'm going to say it again. Before you get up close and personal with your relationship with somebody, you better make sure that somebody is up close and personal in their relationship with God. See, Pastor, I didn't get too much of a response on that. So I don't think I'm going to say it another way. So let me see if I can say it another way. If God cannot invade that individual personal private space, that person shouldn't be allowed to invade your personal private space. Y'all might well come on and talk to me in here. I'm going to say it again. If God cannot invade that personal personal private space, that person shouldn't be allowed to invade your personal private space. You want somebody that's allied with God. So the three non-negotiable traits you should look for. You want somebody alone with God. You want somebody aligned with God. And you also want somebody allied with God. So the Bible says, after God gets through forming, after God gets through breathing, the Bible said the man now becomes a living being or a living soul. Family, that's the story. Now, if you don't mind, let your boy back up a little bit and dive into this text a little bit deeper and expose some kingdom concepts that I believe are going to be useful to making kingdom connections. I'm going to say it again. We've done, done an overview of this text. Now let's dive into this text a little bit deeper and expose some kingdom concepts that I believe are paramount if we're going to make kingdom connections. Because when we look at this verse, I believe there are four kingdom concepts that we need to readily embrace if we're going to make kingdom connections. First of all, you ought to want somebody that's properly fathered. Secondly, you ought to want somebody that's properly fashioned. Thirdly, you ought to want somebody that's properly fastened. And fourthly, you ought to want somebody that's properly fancied. Hang out with me. I'm going to say it again. You want somebody that's fathered. You want somebody that's fashioned. You want somebody that's fastened. And you want somebody that's fancied. Let me work these four points. And like Miss America, I'm going to holler at y'all. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Four points. And your boy got to get out of here. Four points. So first of all, you want somebody that's fathered by Jehovah God. And you see fathered in this text. Let's see if we can expose it. The Bible says, and the Lord God formed man. Notice the order of the text. The Bible says, and the Lord God formed formed man. I'm going to say it again. Notice the order of the text. And the Lord God 
formed man. The thing I find interesting, before the Bible addresses man, the first person that the Bible addresses is God the Father. I'm going to say it again. Before the Bible addresses the concept of man, the first person they give credibility to in this text is God the Father. Which brings me to my first point. Whoever you tie up with or whoever you allow yourself to be tied to, you better make sure they're fathered by Jehovah God. I'm going to say it again. Whoever you tie up with or whoever you allow yourself to be tied to, you better make sure and very sure they are fathered by Jehovah God. So let's look at some definitions of the word father as a verb. When you look at the word father as a verb, the word father means someone who acts, who serves, or who presides as parental or paternal authority over. I'm going to say it again. You want somebody that's fathered by Jehovah God. And if he's fathered by God, that means God acts, he serves, and he presides as parental or paternal authority over. Now, the word I want to concentrate on most is the word preside. When God presides over something, he exercises his dominion over it. When God presides over something, he exercises his direction concerning it. When God presides over something, he exercises his leadership concerning it. When God presides over something, he exercises his guidance concerning it. And you want somebody Jehovah God presides over. So now let me talk to women. And let me tell women why you want a man that God fathers and presides over. You got to understand how the kingdom see relationships. According to the text, the Bible says when you look at relationships that progress to marriage, the Bible says the man's supposed to be the head. Don't shoot me, I'm just a messenger. I'll say it again. Whether you like it or not, the Bible says the man is supposed to be the head. Now let me tell you why that's important to you women. Out of all the body parts God could have used to reference man, I find it interesting that he used the body part, the head. Because the head houses another body part that's critical. The head houses the eye, and the eye is responsible for vision and direction. I'm going to say it again. The Bible says God said the man's supposed to be the head, right? And the head houses the eye, and the eye is responsible for vision and direction. So if God wants the man to be the head, that means the, head, the man is primarily responsible for the vision and the direction. This is why it's important for women. If a man is going to be leading and guiding you, if a man is going to be directing you, you better make sure that somebody better than him. You better make sure that somebody wiser than him. You better make sure that somebody stronger than him. You better make sure that somebody above him that's leading and guiding and directing him. I'm going to say it again. Women, if a man is supposed to lead, guide, and direct you, you better make sure God is leading, guiding, and directing him. Because if the truth be told, you'd be surprised how many women are tied to men that are misguided. I'm going to say it again. You'd be surprised how many women, even church-going women, that will tie themselves to men that are misguided. And here's the reality. If he's not being led and directed by God, he's misguided. I'm going to say it again. If he's not being led and directed by God, he's misguided. And a lot of women will tie up with these men that are misguided and wonder why your relationship not going nowhere. Wonder why your relationship has no direction. Wonder why your relationship has no vision. You tied to a joker that was misaligned and uh, uh, misguided. You need to tie up with somebody that is being led and guided by God. But, but, but pastor, because I'm an equal opportunist, this principle also holds true for men. Men, you want a woman that's properly presided over and fathered by God. 
If you remember what I said about preside, it means to exercise guidance, exercise direction, and exercise leadership concerning. Let me see how I can say this. If the woman won't let God lead her, if the woman won't let God guide her, if the woman won't submit to God's direction, what makes you think she's going to submit to yours? Yo. I'm going to say that again. If the woman won't let God guide her, if the woman won't let God lead her, if she will not submit to God's direction, she sure ain't going to submit to yours. Y'all must, y'all must well come on and talk to me. You'd be surprised how many men were tired with a woman that's rebellious against God and wonder why she's rebellious against you. She was in rebellion when you met her. You want a woman that is presided over and fathered by God. Because if the truth be told, when somebody is fathered by God, they understand order. And the problem with these relationships, the reason why they say so chaotic and a hot mess, Pastor, because a lot of this mess is out of order. You want somebody that's fathered by Jehovah God. Also, when you look at the word father, the word father also means to take responsibility and accountability for and you want somebody that God takes responsibility and accountability for. And the reason why God takes responsibility and accountability for something is because that something belongs to him. I'll say it again. You want somebody God takes responsibility and accountability for. And the reason why God takes responsibility and accountability for a thing is because that thing belongs to him. Now, the most dangerous and dreadful situation to be in is to belong to somebody that don't belong to God. I'm going to say it again. The most dangerous situation you can ever find yourself in is to be tied to somebody and belong to somebody that don't belong to God. Because contrary to popular belief, everybody don't belong to God. I'm going to say it again. Not everybody belong to God. Let me give you some proof text. When you get a chance, go to John chapter 8, verse 44, and you're going to find these words. Jesus is talking to some individuals. He's talking to some Jews. And I want you to look at his indictment of words concerning these individuals. Look at what he says. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And it's the desires of your father that you want to do. I didn't make that up. I'm going to say it again. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. If they are of their father, the devil, that means they don't belong to God. And the last place you want to be in is to belong to somebody that don't belong to God. So somebody's question, what does that situation look like? Imagine being in a relationship with somebody acting a fool. And you go to God and say, God, fix your child. And God tell you, that child ain't even mine. Y'all might well come on and talk to me. The last place you want to be in is to belong to somebody that don't belong to God. You want somebody that's fathered by Jehovah God. So you want somebody that's fathered. But not only do you want somebody that's fathered, you also want somebody that's fashioned. I'm in the text. The Bible said God forms the man or he fashions the man from the dust of the ground. And you want somebody that's properly fashioned by God. In other words, you want somebody that's shaping for what God would have you searching for. And a lot of times the people we go after are not shaping for what God would have us searching for. Let me explain. If somebody has shown themselves to be part-time, why are you trying to make them full-time? I'm going to say it again. If somebody has shown themselves to be part-time, why are you trying to make them full-time? 
In other words, if somebody has shown themselves to be temporary, why are you trying to make them permanent? Oh, y'all might well come on and talk to me. If somebody is only showing you short-term interest, they are not your long-term solution. They are not shaping for what you're searching for. The question you have to ask yourself, is this person built for this? A lot of folk are not built for relationships. Some folk are not built for marriage. Because if the truth be told, somebody, some of us can care less about monogamous marriages. Come on in here. There are some men that are not built to be a one-man woman. I mean, a one-woman man. Some women can care less about being a one-woman, a one-man woman. And you're trying to make them, them your long-term partner. Don't, you gotta go after somebody that's built for what you're looking for. Come on in here, man. Because a lot of the mistakes we're making are simple. You ought to want somebody that's shaping for what you're searching for. Just because he's built to be a man don't mean he's built to be your husband. Just because she's built as a woman don't mean she's built to be your wife. You got to understand everybody is not shaping for what God would have you searching for. If somebody is content to be a bachelor, they don't need to be your beloved. If somebody wants to be a promiscuous woman, they can't be your prudent wife. The person is not built for it. A lot of times the mistakes we're making are quite simple. You got to ask yourself, is this person shaping for what God would have me searching for? Is this person built for this? And a lot of the decisions we're, make, we're making with people that are not built for what we're looking for. And I'm reminded, I had a, I had a, a conversation with Pastor a, a few weeks ago. And the question I asked him, I said, you know, I was telling him about, you know, this message. And I like to be practical when I, when I, when I preach a message. And one of the things I was talking to him about was, what if the question was asked, preacher, how do I know whether a person is shaping for what I'm searching for? How do I know if a person is built for relationships and built for marriages? Because if I tell you, you need to make sure somebody is shaping for what you're searching for. And if I tell you, you need to make sure they're built for this, the easy question you could ask was, how do I know? And so when I, when I initially posed that question, I really didn't have an answer. So I said, you know what, let me go to the text and see if I can get an answer to answer this question. And when you look at the text, the Bible says God builds this man from the dust of the ground. Then he breathes his breath or his spirit into his nostrils. The nostrils is a body part connected to the head. I'm going to say it again because I'm going to try to answer that question. The Bible said God constructs or he builds this man from the dust of the ground. And then the Bible said he breathes his breath into his nostrils. The nostrils is a body part connected to the head. So when I look at the text, it seems that the man is constructed from the bottom up and he's consulted from the top down. I'm going to say it again. He's constructed from the bottom up and he's consulted from the top down. And the problem singles make, you go after somebody that's well constructed, not somebody that's well consulted. Say it again. The problem with singles, you going after somebody because they well constructed and you hadn't discerned are they well consulted. You going after folk because of their looks, because of their appearance, their figure and physique. But just because they find don't mean they're faithful. Just because he's handsome don't mean he's wholesome. 
And just because she's proportionate don't mean she's purposeful. You go, don't just go after somebody that's well constructed. You better make sure they're well consulted. Get somebody God can talk to and you can talk to. I wish I had, I'm going to say it again. Get somebody not only God can talk to, but you can talk to as well. So you want somebody that's fathered. You want somebody that's fashioned, but you also want somebody that's fastened. When you look at the word fastened, the word fastened means to secure and to hold. I'm in the text. The Bible said God puts his breath into this man. And the Hebrew word for breath is the same word that can also mean spirit. So God puts his breath and his spirit into this man. And when God puts his breath and his spirit into this man, he puts something in him that can secure him and sustain him. When God puts his breath and his spirit into this man, he puts something in him that was capable of holding him down. When God puts his breath and his spirit into this man, he puts something, something in him that can keep him. Here's the reality. If God can't hold a joker down, neither can you. I'm going to say it again. If God cannot hold a joker down, neither can you. You can't keep a man that don't want to be kept. By that same token, you can't keep a woman that don't want to be kept. If God can't keep them, why are you trying to? I'm going to say it again. If God cannot keep them, why are you trying to keep them? You cannot hold nothing down that God can't. You want somebody that's fastened by God. In other words, you want somebody God can secure and God can hold down. But also, when you look at the word fasten, the word fasten don't just mean to secure and to hold. The word fasten also means to attach and to adhere. So the word uh, uh, fasten can also mean to connect. I'm going to say it again. When you look at the word fasten, the word fasten means to attach and to adhere. So by nature, the word fasten can also mean connect. And I'm in the text. The Bible says when God breathes his breath or spirit into the man, he ensures there's some kind of connection between himself and the man. I'm going to say it again. When God breathes his breath or his spirit into the man, God ensures there's some manner of connection between himself and the man. And before you connect to anybody, make sure they're spiritually connected to God. I'm going to say it again. Before you connect to anybody, make sure they're spiritually connected to God. But pastor, therein lies the problem. There's a reason why we can't discern and discover if people are spiritually connected to God. And the reason being, the reason why singles cannot discern a spiritual connection, because they're too busy making sexual connections. Y'all about well, come on and talk to me. I'm not scared of y'all. The reason most singles cannot discern a spiritual connection because you're too busy making sexual connections. And it's hard to discern, discern spiritual when you're too busy being sexual. Y'all might well come on and help talk to me. See, the reality is you should be always working on the vertical relationship. And we can't work on the vertical because some of us are too busy going horizontal. Y'all might well come on and talk to me. But the reality is, the relationship be t should be taken up before you lay it down. I wish I had somebody right there. The relationship should be taken up 
for y'all to discuss laying it down. We got to get this thing right, man. You want somebody that's fastened. You want somebody that's connected to God. And before you start connecting to them, make sure they're connected to God. I got to get out of here, man. We talked about you want somebody that's fathered. We talked about you want somebody that's fashioned. We talked about you want somebody that's fastened. But lastly, you want somebody that's fancy. Now, hang out with me because the word fancy as a verb is vastly different from fancy as an adjective. When you look at the word fancy as a verb, it means to have a desire, liking, or hankering for. And so if somebody fancies something, that means they have a want to do something. If somebody fancies something, that means they have a want to have something. If somebody fancies something, that means they have a want to be something. And so you ought to want somebody that fancies growth. You ought to want to be with somebody that fancies development. You ought to want to be with somebody that's not satisfied and content with how they are. You want to be with somebody that wants to be better. You don't want to be with somebody that's content to stay where they are. You want to be with somebody that wants to grow and develop. Because when you look at this text, there's development all in this text. Let me show you. God took something like soil and developed it into a soul. God took something like residue and developed it into a residence. God took something like debris and developed it into a dwelling. God took something like ashes and developed it into an asset. God took something like waste and developed it into worth. All I'm telling you is, if you're going to be with somebody, be with somebody that wants to develop and grow. I'm closing now. I got to get out of here. So I told you, you want somebody that's fathered. I told you, you want somebody that's fashioned. I told you, you want somebody that's fastened. And lastly, I told you, you want somebody that's fancy. And now I got to find a place to exit. The Bible says, the last clause in the text, and the man became a living being or a living soul. When you look at the word become, the word become can mean to develop into, and it also means to to grow to be. And as singles, we should always be growing. We should always be developing. And the question can be asked, preacher, what does it mean to grow as a single? What does it mean to develop as a single? Let me call on a witness who knows something about living a single life because this person has lived at least a portion of their life single and they can tell us something about development and growth. If you don't mind, I'd like to call on Paul because Paul can tell us what it is to grow and develop. In the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, Paul gives us a good barometer of what it is to develop and what it is to grow. I believe Paul says it like this, not that I've already attained, not that I've already perfected, but I keep pressing on and I keep pressing on that I may lay hold of that which the Lord Jesus has laid hold of me. Not that I've already apprehended, but this one thing that I do, I keep forgetting those things that are behind me. And I keep reaching for the things that are before me. And I press toward the mark. 
I press for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I stopped by to tell singles today, keep on pressing. Sometimes it gets a little difficult, but keep on pressing. Sometimes you get a little lonely, but keep on pressing. Sometimes you feel like God has forgotten all about you, but keep on pressing. Sometimes you wonder if your time is ever going to come. But I stop by to tell you, keep on pressing. Because I just have to believe if you hang on a little while longer, and if you're willing to give God time, God can and will turn, turn it all around. I stop by to tell somebody, keep on pressing. It kind of reminds me of the old school song those old saints used to sing. They said, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining day after day. I keep on praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Every now and then, you got to tell God, plant my feet. Lord, plant my feet. I want to walk in a way that's worthy of your name. Lord, plant my feet. I want to be a beacon of light in this world of darkness. Lord, plant my feet. I don't want to slip. And I don't want to fall. Lord, plant my feet. I don't want to be found out of your will. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Hallelujah. Y'all be seated. Don't you just love this church? I just love church on purpose. Amen. 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 I I saw some of y'all sending text messages. Leroy, it's over. (laughs) Shaquisha, we can't do this no more. It's all. It's all.